Last week, four modern martyrs were beatified in Argentina, and next Sunday is the World Day of Prayer for vocations, so I am thinking about holiness, because that is what vocations are all about. Everyone is called to holiness. Yeah, everyone, not just priests and nuns, even though the day of prayer next week is usually taken to mean prayer for vocations to the priesthood. Everyone is called to be a saint, and the way that God is calling you to live out your call to holiness, the best way for you specifically to live out your own call to holiness, that is your vocation. And there are four, the single life, the ordained life, the religious life, and the married life. But I want to focus on just one of them because most of us will not be called to the ordained or the religious life. Most of us are called to the married life, but not all of us. Some of you will be called to live out this call to holiness by being single, and no one ever speaks about the vocation to the single life. But not everyone is called to marriage, and not everyone should be married. And single people have a great gift of time. They don't have to check with their husbands or wives or their kids' schedules. They can just go and serve others. If you don't feel called to marriage, it doesn't mean that you're called to religious or ordained life. You may be called to the single life, and that's good. So you should go for it. So, are you listening to God's call? Are you responding to God's call? Are you discerning God's call? Let's get on the holiness boat and set out into the deep. I'm Deacon Pedro, called to both the married life and the ordained life. And this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chen. And Emily is not here. She's in Quebec City somewhere yeah, doing yeah. whatever she does. I'm not sure. Um, but I'm very excited, Billy. Why? Because because we got some comments. Oh yes, on Church for Dummies. Yes, specifically on you Facebook. Know, I people told love you. you. People I told love you. you, Billy. People only listen to Church for Dummies. People love you. Okay, so we got. <laughs> wait, hold on. Did you read the comment? So we got uh, this one comment. I want to read. Okay, and go it's, ahead. It's go from ahead. Luke Stocking. Thank you. Thank he you. writes, "Love this," and then he says, "This dummy learned a few things." like the little bit about not singing Mary songs on a regular basis. So I guess yeah. so this was a special edition of the Church for Dummies that we aired last week, which was just Church for Dummies. We combined everything. We combined yeah. maybe mm-hmm. six okay. different Church for Dummies. And one of them we were talking about. About Mary. About Mary and, mm-hmm. and, and why we, and we said that we shouldn't sing Marian yeah. songs at Mass. Unless it's a Marian feast. I was a sup- it was a surprise for me was as well. Was it a surprise? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. So you, we shouldn't do that because the Mass is not about Mary. The mm-hmm. Mass is about Jesus. Correct. Um, but then um, Luke has a question. Okay. And so this is a question for Billy Chan. He <laughs> says that he remembers uh, as a child going to Mass where there was someone at the lectern, at the ambo, narrating the Mass, explaining what was happening as we went through it. And he says that he thinks it was related to people preparing for baptism. Maybe it was the RCIA um, and he wants to know if there is an order of the Mass that allows for narration to explain to the faithful the meaning of what, what is being said. And what would you say, Billy? I did that. You did it? I did that before when I, um, at, uh, at I teach catechism. Yes. When during I teach, the Mass? During the Mass. During the regular Mass. I just asked my, 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 my students to go to, because we have a baby room. You know what baby room is? No. The room that 
It's oh, less the and less. Room, like the yeah. crying room. Yeah, the yes. crying room. Yes, yes. The crying room. Yes. yes, yeah, we call it the crying room. So I asked uh, my my okay, my so you my were students. In the, you were in the crying room with the students. Yes, and just to no one to, you know, I just want to explain the the mass. You know, now the the priest is saying the gospel, okay, yes. things like that. So you could probably have done that. Yeah. But, but the priest could not. Like it's not a. It's not appropriate during the mass to have someone narrating yeah, yeah, or yeah, explaining yeah. Mm-hmm. what it is. Sometimes some priests will explain certain things, but it's not appropriate. It's a bit confusing, though. Well, I mean, it's because that's not the point of the mass. Oh, if you yeah. want to teach the mass, then have a, a the separate mass. session mm-hmm. to teach the mass, which is what we've done in in, our, in my parish. Uh-huh. Um, but during the mass, you're there to to celebrate the mass, yeah. not to explain yeah. the mass. Yeah. So, yeah. so to answer Luke's question. And we did. I did post this response on Facebook, Luke. If you wanted to read it, um, uh, to, to respond to your question, no, there is no uh, <laughs> no uh, 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 allowance for the narrating or explaining things during the mass. Um, but you can absolutely have like a. But you'd be so long. Think about that. Well, no, yeah, and and I mean, we like we did a teaching mass. Yeah. And we did three sessions. Wow. An hour and a half each, just okay. like taking the mass in pieces and talking about it. And we didn't even talk about everything. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a lot. If people want to know more about the mass, I would say that the general instruction on the Roman Missal, the mm-hmm. germ, is the document that you sh- they should look at. Anyway, but we love people writing to us. I love you. I feel the love. And Billy feels the love because <laughs> it was his segments. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can always find us via email. You can email us, radio at saltandlighttv.org or like, like Luke did through Facebook. Uh, uh, or Twitter at Salt and Light TV. I'm at Deacon Pedro GM. I'm at B. Joe Chen. And Emily's not here, so we won't say where she's at. <laughs> um, anyway, so today, Allison, Emily's not here, so Allison is okay. going to join us. Allison Great. Kenny will be helping us with our news today. And after that, Billy, you have a question. A very hard question. It's supposed <laughs> to be Church for Dummies. No, but Easter, after Easter, there will be a lot of Oy. inspiration, a lot of. Okay. You know, we are going to talk about um, Jesus' body. We're going to talk about Jesus' body, yeah. okay. Like the Eucharist? The Eucharist. Okay, good. All yeah. right. Well, we'll see. We'll see about that. That'll be in about 10 minutes. Um, and then, uh, Billy, mm-hmm. what would you say has been, the for you personally, yeah. the, the impact of Pope Francis's papacy? Has there been a personal impact in your life? Um, I would say his um, appearance in social media. Okay. Yeah, because... But you know it's y- not him, eh? It's somebody y- else. I know, but the thing is, you know, the maybe the, the change of a tr- the, the church and when you see him okay when you see him on 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 Facebook on Twitter uh, his quotes and things everything right he's a lot and I, I find that I'm really like touching Pope Francis right so you feel closer to yeah, him yeah before you can't because you know he's not that much yeah or, right? or it seemed too far away so yeah. you, you feel closer to him because yeah. of the way he's communicating yeah. to you and in probably in a language that you can understand yes like a language that's your language not and i don't mean chinese <laughs> or <laughs> french i mean i mean yeah uh, um and the reason why i'm asking of course you know because uh-huh. in the second half hour today we're going to be speaking with sebastian sebastian yeah. gomes who's working on he's been working on a new documentary for it seems like forever um <laughs> that looks at the impact that Pope Francis has had and is having at a local level. So yeah. we're going to be speaking uh, to Sebastian Gomes about his new film, uh, The Francis uh, Impact. I have to say that I, I watched that already. Did you watch it? For marketing purposes. Yes, of course. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's a wonderful, it is. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a great film. So looking forward to talking to Sebastian about that. That's going to be in our second half hour in about 20 minutes. And then at the end of the program, we're going to be meeting singer-songwriter and liturgical composer Chris Mulia. 
He has a new album. It's called God So Loved the World. So why don't we start with a song from that album. Here is Chris Mulia with Chosen and Called from his new album, God So Loved the World.
That was Chris Mulia with Chosen and Called from his new album, God So Loved the World. And we're going to be speaking with Chris Mulia in our second half hour. And in about five minutes, Church for Dummies with Billy Chan. But first, we're now joined by Allison Kenny, sitting in for Emily Callan hey, with our Pedro. news. Hello, hello, Allison. Good to have you back. Thanks. It's been a while. I know. I know. You need to, like, make sure Emily's gone more often. <laughs> well, she's a busy lady. <laughs> yes, she is. So we got some uh, some news to report on. Yes. So the first thing I want to talk about four modern martyrs were beatified in Argentina over the last weekend. All of them were assassinated during Argentina's dirty war. Mm -hmm. And what I didn't realize is about 30,000 people disappeared during that time. So um, these four were killed in 1976. One was a bishop, kind of like Argentina's Oscar Romero, and then two priests and one lay catechist. Really got me thinking about how, you know, we're so lucky that even though sometimes it might be a little difficult to be a faithful Catholic in our society, no death squads are coming to take us away for advocating for our faith, you know? And you think of how recent that was, 1976. I know. Do you remember 1976, I do remember 1976, yes. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of our listeners do as well. I wasn't paying attention to Argentina's dirty war, though. I was uh, probably paying attention to cartoons. Cartoons and what was on, yeah. Yeah. All the good stuff Well, no, it's good. It's good that we recognize them as uh, blessed. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's Good. very lovely. Yes. And then um, there's a new editorial board for the Women Church World magazine that's oh, yeah. published okay. through the Vatican's newspaper, L'Osservatore Romano. Right. So it's a, a monthly um, a supplement that mm-hmm. comes with the paper. And, you know, their last month was a big, big controversy yes. about the editorial board, all-female all board, all quit. <laughs> yes. And the, the editor, well, now former editor, had said that the newspaper was hiring female contributors that had an editorial line opposed to that of the magazine as if they were trying to delegitimize the magazine. So it sort of seemed like women wars within the Vatican, you know, and I've looked looked into it a fair bit. And to me, it just seems like, you know, they're they're trying to reform communications at Mm -hmm. the Vatican, Mm -hmm. trying to update things, bring things more into line with professional standards. Um, and it looks to me like just trying to get more of a, a women's voice throughout right. the entire right. newspaper really angered people who had their own little oh, silo see, and see. area within yeah. the paper, right? So that that's a bit of a, a difficult and sore spot, I guess. But the, the new editorial board looked great. I actually met one of them while okay. I was at the Synod, yeah. um, who is a professor up in Milan. Um, yeah, and she was a lovely, knowledgeable Good. woman, um, has a lot of children, like six children as right. well. She's an amazing woman. So... I think that'll be in good hands. Okay, very good, very good. And then the title of your next book is going to be Women Wars in the Vatican. (laughs) Women Wars in the Vatican, or Women Wars Church Edition. Yes, all right. (laughs) And so then in Sri Lanka, Sri Uh Lanka has finally restored social media after the Easter Sunday attacks that happened. The president of the country had said they were seeking to curb the spread of misinformation Mm -hmm. with that temporary ban. So a lot of people didn't know what was going on. Probably WhatsApp was the only way they knew what was happening. Um, and as I'm sure we all know, um, last week, masses were all canceled in the country, with the exception of one church, mm-hmm. which defied that. But that was just for security reasons. Yeah. So people fulfilled yes. their Sunday obligation by tuning in to okay. a televised mass. Okay. Yeah. That's, and then, yeah. yeah. And then the big thing that's coming up is the Pope's going to be in Bulgaria yes. and North Macedonia mm-hmm. as of tomorrow, Sunday. And then he's also there on Monday and then in right. North, yeah, North Macedonia on Tuesday. Okay. 
So I was looking into uh, these countries. I didn't realize they're both predominantly Orthodox Christian. And then there's a big uh, Muslim population as well in North Macedonia. Catholics only make up less than 1% of Mm -hmm. each population. And it's the first time a pope will visit North Macedonia. Right. It used to be part of Yugoslavia. Yes. And then it became its own country in 1991. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, one of our colleagues today reminded me that M- North Macedonia used to just be Macedonia. Okay. Until February. Oh, actually. really? They had a conflict with Greece. So I went, North Macedonia? Is there a South Macedonia? <laughs> but it's, they had a conflict with Greece over the name. Right. So North Macedonia is just North Macedonia. Okay. There's no Southern one. Okay. And then I think the highlight of that will really be that the Pope is going to visit the Mother Teresa Memorial in Skopje, which is the capital of North Macedonia. That's okay. where she was born. So people can look out for that. And we will be broadcasting all the events on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, so they can tune okay, in to great. Salt and Light. Great. So, and as usual, anytime the Pope is traveling, all of those speeches will also be available on our blog, Mm saltandlighttv.org slash blog. Um, And in case people didn't quite get that, Mother Teresa, as in Mother Teresa, Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Yeah, she's a saint she is, now. She is from Bulgaria, uh, from Macedonia. Mm-hmm. So that's North why Macedonia. North Macedonia. <laughs> sorry, so that's <laughs> why the Pope, the Pope is going to go to her. Did you say her? Her memorial. Her There's memorial. an area with yeah, a memorial to she, her. Where yeah. she came from. Okay, good. Thank you very much. All that uh, and more information on our website, saltandlighttv.org. Alison Kenny is a producer here at Salt and Light TV, also a colleague of mine, mm-hmm. and you can follow her at the Allison Kenny. This is Timothy R. Smith, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can stay in touch with what's happening on this show by following me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for Church for Dummies with Billy Chan. Hello. 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 After Easter, I have a... Uh, I'm uh, so scared about this question. Why? Why? <laughs> After Easter, there's a lot of inspiration. You know, I, I rewatch The Passion of Christ, as most of us, you know. Yes. And uh, went to church. Oh, and last Sunday, because my parents are not Catholic. Yes. So we went to church together. Yes. And they asked to go together. Nice. Can you believe I yeah. cannot believe that. I was so happy. I was like, oh, God. Thank you. That's great. Yes, that's wonderful. But when I, you know, when when you sit there, you know, I, you know, I, I, my brain always thinking and thinking and thinking about the Eucharist because right. of Easter, right? You know, everyone yeah, thinking yeah. about the Eucharist. But are you thinking like, are you thinking that your parents maybe are not understanding th- certain things? That as well, and, and also my explaining it, and, and, the, and, and also my room. wife too, right? Yeah, you know, right. things like that. So, my question is this: um, because when we when we talk about uh, uh, the bread, the host. Uh-huh. We said in the host is actually Jesus. It's actually yes. the two thousand years ago when Jesus uh, broke the bread, and this yes. is it. Okay, yes. exactly the same. Yes. Um, so, but there are a lot of different like uh, Christian brothers and sisters. They they don't believe in that, right? They, no. They believe that we do that for memory. Yeah, or symbolically. Yeah, yes. symbolically. Okay. So, my question is this: How come we, as a Catholic, take that so seriously um well we take it seriously because jesus said it um why other christians uh, yeah, refuse you know, well, to accept mm-hmm. that when jesus says this is my body take and eat do this in memory of me unless you eat of this bread and drink of unless you eat of my flesh he says and drink my blood you will not have life within you um or you would not have eternal life um 
he said it. But can, can, and we have mm-hmm. sorry, and we have records from the earliest, earliest, like earliest, like like six months after the resurrection. Okay, we have records. Red cut off. Re- of, writing, of, right? No, yes. Okay, of the disciples actually doing what Jesus told them to do, which is breaking bread together and celebrating the Eucharist. So were they doing it symbolically? I I don't I don't know. Yeah, but you know my 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 answer to this yes. is nowadays if if you say the bread is not Jesus then i will have no chance to to get Jesus okay i see what you mean if it is Jesus yeah. in reality yeah okay but whatever it's not the church doesn't have the authority to change or decide whether it's Jesus or not so so the, the, there are so there are things that we believe okay. that the church, the Catholic Church teaches that, um, so what we call doctrine, that, that, that we believe because it has been divinely revealed. So um, the church didn't make it up. It was given to us. So things like the Ten Commandments, it's divinely revealed. The church can't say, oh yeah, it's okay to kill some people under certain circumstances because, th- because there's a clear commandment that says that yeah. do not kill. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ... Um, is both human and divine. That okay. is a divine revelation. The church didn't make that up. Jesus is present in the Eucharist. The church didn't make that up. That was divinely revealed. So um, things like the Blessed Trinity, the person of Jesus, the, the Paschal Mystery, which is the, you know what we celebrate at Easter, the suffering, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, the dignity of the human person as made in the image and likeness of God, and then the church, which is the body of Christ, brought to life in the Holy Spirit. Those are what we call the foundational truths. So everything we believe comes out of those five foundational truths. Those are essential. We have to believe that. But then everything else, like you could say... And they are from the, the dogma, right? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's dogma if it's divinely revealed. If it's if it's interpreted or or deduced from dogma that's been divinely uh-huh. revealed, mm-hmm. then it's what we call secondary truth, but it's still doctrine. Okay. 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 So things like like your your, your question that the, the 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 teaching about uh, Jesus's presence in the Eucharist, mm-hmm. it's not one of the foundational truths, but it depends on the teachings on the person of Jesus and the Paschal mystery. So if we accept the person that, that Jesus is both human and divine, we accept the Paschal mystery and we obviously accept what, what's in Scripture, oh, then we okay. did, that leads us to believe that then Jesus is present in the Eucharist. So, um, so, so there's doctrine, dogmas, which are divinely revealed, and then secondary truth that are not revealed but definite or definitive okay. that the church has no authority to change. We, we, they exist. It's okay. truth. Right, and then there's other teachings that are that can be changed, um, that, uh, but that's a whole other conversation. So, as, as it pertains to the Eucharist, I would say that we believe it because Jesus said it. Um, he says, "Take and eat. Do this in memory of me." In John chapter six, he says, "I am the bread of life." Mm. And the Jewish people that were there, they knew what he meant when he said, "I'm the bread of life," because they knew the exodus, the story the, of, the, of the, the manna mm-hmm. in in the desert. And then whoever eats this bread will live forever. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give you, that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And then he says, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life within this you. This is way before this, the Last Supper. This is way before. This is John chapter 6. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is read John chapter 6 and, and pray mm-hmm. with it. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood will have eternal life. 
and I will raise them up on the last day. And at the end of that chapter, it says that because of this, many of the disciples stopped following him because it was a difficult teaching. And then Jesus tells his apostles, he says, are you also going to leave? And they say, no, mm. where are we going to go? So they are accepting him. So, so, so Jesus says that he is present in the Eucharist. Jesus says that unless we eat his flesh, we will not have um, eternal life. And then the church teaches that the Eucharist is the source and summit. I see. Right? I see. Of our lives. Why? Because Christ is present in the Eucharist. Um, he's present. So, I don't know. Does that answer any of your questions? I am, it sounds like it's not difficult to believe. But again, you know, there are a lot of Christian uh, brothers and sisters. They, 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 don't they don't agree with this. No, yeah. they don't. And, and, and I guess, you know, there are a lot of things that the church teaches that we would say are true that mm -hmm. a lot of other people don't believe. Correct. Does that mean that they're not going to go to heaven? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think God knows your heart yeah, yeah, and yeah, knows, yeah. and God's going to literally die to make sure that you get to heaven. Um, so uh, I, I would say that it would help them if yeah. they believed in the Eucharist and they, they benefited from the graces that come with the Eucharist and with adoration and, and everything we believe around the Eucharist. But yeah. It's, but they're not going to not go to heaven. Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah, of course, that, of course. Does yeah. that help? No, it's good that, you know, um, I know a lot of Catholics, even Catholics have difficulty I to understand Catholics, this. Yeah, and Catholics would yeah. never even think about it and who receive the, the <laughs> Eucharist unworthily. They just, they're not thinking about it yeah. or they don't care or they're, you know, people that come up to communion chewing gum or whatever. So you see, I think too much, right? No, this, this <laughs> is good questions because we, this is good. We, You should consider what the importance and, and maybe whether you should receive it or not it's receive course. the Eucharist yes. or whether why do we adore the, the, the Blessed Sacrament Christ in, in the Blessed Sacrament because we believe that Christ is truly present and if Christ is truly present then the, how, how amazing is that that of he course. that this is not a God that demands that, that we sacrifice ourselves so that he can be fed it's oh, yeah. a God who sacrifices himself so that we can be fed that's pretty cool Anyway, Thank uh, you. I'm sure that you're going to come up with other questions yes. after this one. Uh, Billy Chan, uh, he's our webmaster here at Salt and Light uh, Media. He's also the uh, person responsible for this wonderful segment called Church for Dummies. You can follow him at Bijo Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, a featured interview with Sebastian Gomes about his new film, The Francis Impact, and we meet singer-songwriter Chris Mulia, so don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Pope Francis has been Pope now for six years, and despite those who disagree with his approach on certain things, it's hard to deny that his ability to teach us through action has made many to consider him an authentic and credible moral leader. But we're not here to speak about Pope Francis, but his impact, which goes much deeper and it is felt and lived far away from the Vatican among ordinary people who have been inspired by the Pope's examples of compassion, inclusion, sustainability, and dialogue. This is the focus of the new Salt and Light production, The Francis Impact. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by the director and producer of The Francis Impact, my colleague, Sebastian Gomes. 
Deacon Pedro, good Welcome. to be back. Yeah. I notice you only have me on when I do a big production. Well, you, you never have me on to get my take on Catholic <laughs> current affairs. It's because we probably disagree <laughs> on Catholic <laughs> current affairs. But according to Pope Francis, that's, okay. that's a keep, good thing. Yes, we, keep, we keep the dialogue, dialogue open. That's right. Keep making movies, and I'll keep bringing you on. There you go. <laughs> um, so um, why, why, why are we making a film about Pope Francis? Well, the key is, as you said, to shift the spotlight off of Francis. Let's tell the stories of people who have actually been impacted by him. So our film, you know, we went all around the world. Mm -hmm. We went to Lampedusa in Italy to talk about the the refugee crisis. We went to El Salvador. You were with me for that amazing experience to talk about a a mining issue, Mm -hmm. the country passing legislation to ban metallic mining, Mm -hmm. in large part due to Laudato Si, the Pope's impact on the, on the ecological movement. Yes, and then we did two stories in North America, one in Quebec on interfaith dialogue in the aftermath of that horrible attack in January of 2017 at, yeah, the, at, the, at mosque the mosque where six people were killed. Uh, and then the fourth story in Minnesota of a couple who tried to get an annulment for about four years and couldn't yeah. until Francis reformed the, pr- the process in 2015. So these four stories collectively, I think, demonstrate this wide variety, this diversity of impacts that the Pope has had in these different areas that are very important to him. So just so that people can can understand, so the Pope in the Vatican is doing things that are actually making a difference on the ground with little people like you and me all over the world. Absolutely. I mean, we talk about him every day. Yes. But the stories that we tell in this film are people who you would never, ever typically have heard of or known for any other reason other than Francis dramatically changed their lives in, in, in a dynamic way. So those four stories, those four issues, would you say are issues that are big issues or issues that are very close to Pope Francis's heart? Absolutely. So I, I picked four stories that I thought, uh, like through my research, I uh-huh. picked four stories that I thought kind of captured or demonstrated the, the emphases that Francis right. I- is giving. Like, you know... So like migrants, we know he has mm-hmm. a, a big place in his heart for migrants, and and he's not popular because of it. There's yeah, a lot of people that push back yeah. on him, including people in the church, mm-hmm. because of his emphasis mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the environment. I mean, ecology is is, is his big thing. It's the yeah. lens through which he sees everything now, right? Yeah. Laudato Si, the synod yes. on the Amazon, all yes. this stuff. Um, and then interfaith dialogue. We see him going to Morocco and, and Abu Dhabi and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Egypt. You know to to, to meet yeah. to meet with all these uh, these Muslims in yeah. particular Muslims is in particular, is what he's yeah. what he's uh, focused on, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are kind of upset about that too. But he knows that's the way. He you know he right. takes his inspiration from Francis of Assisi. This is the 800th anniversary of right. Francis's visit yeah. to Egypt to yes. Demietta, where he yes. met with the Sultan. So and then the fourth one, pastoral reform. Right. In Francis's mind, pastoral reform is a key thing that has to happen in the church. Where church people, pastors in particular, but mm-hmm. everybody who's mm-hmm. a Catholic has to say, we need to look with a little bit more compassion and mercy on people who are living in really complex situations, situation, pastoral which, situations. Which are real. So, and I want to, I want to, we can't talk about all the, the four oh, issues. Oh, you got to watch the film. No, you got to, absolutely. <laughs> but, but I do want to maybe, if we have time to talk about at least two. And I, the first one I wanted to talk about was this. So the pastoral reform was a story in Minnesota. Minnesota, yep. And it has to do with the, a marriage tribunal issue. That's right. So, so a, a couple, Lynn and Mark, who are the protagonists of this story, um, basically fell in love after two tragedies they each experienced. So uh-huh. Lynn's first husband was killed in a horrible car accident. Right. Mark's first wife 
uh, left him. Mm -hmm. So the two of them in their, you know, time of sorrow kind of found each other and ended up falling in love and they each have three kids. Right. So, and they're very Catholic. They wanted to be married in the church. They wanted to be married with the Eucharist. They wanted their family Mm -hmm. and their their friends who Mm -hmm. were faithful people to participate in that. And uh, basically they ran into uh, problems with the marriage tribunal, not in their diocese, but in the Metropolitan Archdiocese down the road, which right. was St. Paul in this case, uh, where the, they re- refused the annulment on some technicalities. Right. And so what Francis did in his reform in 2015 is he removed the need for a second diocese to rule on an annulment decision. Right. So once that happened, they just put it, it just through their own diocesan tribunal it was accepted, and they got it in like a month and a half after four years of waiting. So, and you said earlier that a lot of the, the emphases for Francis is pastoral reform. So making it, I don't want to say easier, I guess. Make simpler. It simpler. Simpler. And I, and I think, you know, the point is to say, let's not put up roadblocks for people who want to move on with their lives. Mm-hmm. Things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, life mm-hmm. is complicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't always have control over everything mm-hmm. as much as we like to think we do. The story of Lynn and Mark is a very powerful one because yes. of how involved they are in church. Yeah. So they're lectors. Yes. You know, they're they're on different committees, mm-hmm. pastoral committees. They're on the finance committee. They're they're like for example, they chose not to live together before the annulment process went through. Yeah. So they were dating and in love for four years, trying to get married, to get couldn't. Married, yeah. And all their friends were like, "Why don't you just move on? Like, forget about the church." And they said, yeah. "No, this is important yeah. to us because yeah. we want to pass these Catholic values." And on like to them, their there kids. are so many couples. There's they're there in my, in my parish. They're in your parish. That's right. That, that are actually married, and they just get tired and just get civilly married because it just makes because makes the it, church puts so unnes- there's unnecessary roadblocks. Yeah. So it's not that the annulment process is unimportant. No. To the contrary, I think Francis wants people to understand that it is a very important process in moving on, but let's just, you know, n- yeah, not okay. put up roadblocks, yeah. you know. So let's it's a great a example of this pastoral reform, but we're seeing how it affects these this couple v- in a very real life situation. Um, we don't have a lot of time, but quickly, I just want to go to El Salvador because how do we, so the Pope writes an encyclical about the environment, and next thing you know, in El Salvador, the government is reading <laughs> the encyclical, like at Congress, and passing a law banning metal mining. Yeah, well, like <laughs> it's it's amazing, right? Yeah, uh, it's 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 more complicated than that, obviously. Yes. Like there, you remember, there's a lot of different factors, but yes. the environmental movement was was pushing for this ban on metallic mining for years, for, yeah. you know, like going back to the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And the church was always kind of supportive, but they were like cheerleaders on the side saying, you know, yes, this is good. Yes, we, you know, support the environment. And we understand that, you know, people's homes are being ruined and their water sources right. are being contaminated. But as, as the archbishop told us when we were interviewing him, they weren't protagonists. Mm-hmm. And when Laudato Si came out in 2015, as the archbishop told us, yes. it awakened their consciences in a yes. way that the, the 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 Catholic hierarchy in El Salvador, a predominantly Catholic country, was able to get in the ring mm-hmm. and and march in the streets and demand of the government that they pass legislation. So it was no longer a cheerleading role. It was a let's leadership. get our let's get our feet dirty in the street, and that's what Francis calls. So they were the empowered. Empowered. They yeah, were exactly. empowered by this document, and they were able to say yeah. this is what the official church teaches. So it yes. wasn't like their own prerogative. It was, this is now the magisterium of the church backing up 
our march in the street to demand this action. Absolutely. And okay, so we don't have time to, to continue, but so so there's the story as well with of the refugees or the migrant issue in Lampedusa yeah. and also the interreligious dialogue in Quebec. In Quebec. Um, uh, when can we watch this film? It's coming up May 5th. May 5th. It's here at long last. It's been two years in the making, but May 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern time and then again at midnight. Uh, but there's repeats for the next couple of weeks. Yes. Uh, so go to the Francis Impact dot com uh, and click watch and you'll be able to see all the airtimes there but a couple of key things to point out mm-hmm. uh, salt and light is on free view in canada free preview in canada yep. until may 12th mm-hmm. so if you have a cable tele if you have cable television yeah. contact your cable network right away and say i know i can get free free view until may 12th salt and light i want it and then you'll be able to watch the film on tv it's also available on live stream so if you don't have cable tv Go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash live, and you'll be able to watch it at those at those times, at those broadcast times from the website. Yeah. Uh, and finally, it'll be available on Roku. We have yes. a Roku channel, the Salt and Light Roku channel. So if you're in the United States, if you don't have cable TV, if you don't have access to our live stream, but you have Roku, you'll be able to watch it there. Yeah, live. Live. Roku. That's right. Okay, live very good. So all that information at the website, thefrancisimpact.com. Sebastian Gomes, he's my colleague here, producer at Salt and Light Media. He's the producer and director of The Francis Effect. His new film, The Francis Impact, as he said, will premiere on Salt and Light TV on Sunday, May the 5th, 8 p.m. East, 5 Pacific. Um, if you're outside our broadcasting area, you can stream it live on our website, saltandlighttv.org slash live, and Roku and all those other places that Sebastian mentioned. But as again, all that information is on the website, thefrancisimpact.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Chris Mulia, with You Are Welcome Here from his new album, God So Loved the World. Come all you wounded and weary Come all you heavy of heart Come with your fear and your burden Come with your pain and your scars Come to the ocean of mercy Be revived, renewed and refreshed Wherever you are No matter how far, come find your peace and your rest. You are welcome here, come as you are. You are welcome here with open arms. Bring your burden. Who long for your place Bring your addictions and battles Find your forgiveness and strength You are welcome here As you are You are welcome here 
That was Chris Mulia with You Are Welcome Here from his new album, God So Loved the World. You may not be familiar with the name Chris Mulia, but I'm sure that you've heard the song, Our God Is Here. Chris is a speaker, writer, a singer-songwriter from Phoenix, Arizona. After traveling across the U.S. with uh, Sound Mission Ministries for 10 years, he returned to parish ministry in 2014. He's an accomplished composer, has worked with Tom Booth and John Michael Talbot, and has just released his fifth album that we've just been listening, God So Loved the World. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by Chris Mulia. Chris, welcome to the Sultanite Hour. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Thanks for having me. So I, before we talk about the, the album, I want to get a little better idea of, of who you are and your music. So what, what was uh, growing up like? Well, I didn't grow up in the church. Okay. So well, let's get that out of the way. Yeah. Um, but growing up was confusing. Uh, uh-huh. Growing up was uh, a lot of things. Um, so I, I will fast forward to uh, discovering music, yeah. uh, discovering guitar around 13 years of age, and really liked uh, rock guitar, and yeah. uh, ended up actually studying classical guitar because the only... A uh, guy in town that taught taught classical, so I was fortunate in that regard. Uh-huh. Um, but it w- wouldn't be until uh, around eighteen, nineteen years old that I had a conversion in a non-denominational church. Actually, interesting. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, uh, long story short, I was at uh, college going to music school and uh, thought one of the girls in my classes was cute, and I yeah. asked her out, and she pretty <laughs> much said, "Dude, if you uh, want to date me, you got to go to church." Yeah. So I said, "Okay, where do I go?" And uh, that was. <laughs> I was about that, and I went with her and her family, and after a while, uh, they had done an altar call, and I started, you know, I really liked what I was hearing, and uh, yeah, I went down, accepted Christ, and uh, began to read the Bible, and uh, it wouldn't be till later that I discovered I was actually baptized Catholic, and then I had okay. a, a decision to make, be rebaptized or explore my Catholic faith, and uh-huh. uh, ended up breaking up with the girl, and uh Few years later, became a fully initiated Catholic. Wow! Um, when yeah. did you start? When did you start doing, uh, I guess, religious music or Catholic music? Well, I would say pretty pretty quickly after my conversion. Yeah. Um, I I started to write kind of worship songs. I was involved in the youth group. Yeah. Uh, at the, the Catholic Church, and the pastor uh, ultimately invited me to you know help out directing music at one of the masses and one thing led to another before you knew it i was a full-time music director and uh, yeah in a, so that's, in a parish had you been yeah, doing so it just kind of progressed mm-hmm. when you because you studied music in college right so were you doing were you were you a professional musician before you became a catholic no not really okay so so your 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 music career begins when you go back to doing or i guess when you go to do parish ministry or music ministry in a yeah. parish, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I yeah. mean, I, 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 to be quite honest with you, I, there was a point in my life where I was surprised anybody would want to pay me to do that. But, right. You know, <laughs> but sure, uh, that's a great thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it, but it is something that uh, I very much felt uh, pulled and called to and began to recognize its value and worth in people's lives. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's been a progression. And to this point, you know, where I'm at today, I... I see it as one of the things that I do, as opposed to the thing that I do. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it does. But and and would the main thing that you do, or how you see yourself, is more as a, a speaker, an evangelist, 
and not so as, as much a singer songwriter or um, or about yeah, this? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm definitely uh, a speaker, but I I tend to really like to get into real issues, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, in our world, are real people um, who are hurting and suffering, and quite honestly, most of them are not in church. And True. that's really where my heart is wired towards um, helping to alleviate suffering in whatever way, shape, or form I can. Right. Um, and I think that all things point to relationship, relationship uh-huh. with each other, relationship with God, relationship to yeah, you know, our world that we live in. Yeah. Uh, that tends to be where I I spend most of my time. I'm also a life coach. Oh yeah. Not that in the bio or not, but okay, yes. Uh, so I do spend a fair amount of time doing that. Okay, as well, yeah, no, and I can see that even by the topics that that you offer for your parish missions, a lot of those topics are very much as you describe things that are going to help people help people connect with that, those parts in their lives that are that are suffering or hurting. Would you say that the music then is also kind of has that slant because that is kind of where your heart is? For sure, I, I think it's. I think it's all part of our humanity, and I think it's important to remember that this this whole engine, this whole thing, this whole thing that we do called church and Catholicism and the yeah. Bible and salvation history uh, was all fired up and ultimately um, driven by human beings with real issues and real problems right. and real lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I can't help... So the, I just... Sorry? Go ahead. No, no, no. Go finish. Yeah, so I, I try to... Uh, be mindful of that in, in all situations that, um, in a lot of ways, here, I, I, I have a beautiful family. I have five amazing kids and been married uh, 25 years this June. Hmm. Um, but that's kind of like a little uh, bubble of reality in the world today. That's a very rare thing, I think, um, Right. If, if we really uh, think a little broader about what people are are dealing with, and I'm just always mindful of that. So I just have a heart that's geared towards that end, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And I can't, I mean, not that I'm trying to make a connection, but I think uh, hearing you say all that, and I'm thinking about the title of the new album, God So Love the World, I mean, there's clearly a connection there. Yeah, uh, you know, it uh, that, that was written very much for liturgical use, right? Yes. So within that context, when you're writing for liturgy, you have to know where the boundaries are, what the church teaches, um, mm-hmm. what what the publisher wants, what the people can sing. <laughs> right. And, uh, it, you know, it's a space that we we operate in with great respect and reverence and also uh, privilege. Uh-huh. You know? So, uh, well, when I think about God so loved the world, as we approach the, the recording, it wasn't that, you know, the John 3.16, God so loved the world, you know, you hear it every football game. Yeah. Um, it's it's more of you know God loves the world period and everything created it and everything in it and it's all very good yeah um, with them yeah yeah D- did you set out to write an album w- with that theme or that was that's just a good title based on the song that you had written first that seemed to kind of uh, yeah so, so yeah so you write a bunch of music uh, uh, a bunch of it gets tossed out. Yes, um, it's, a, it's an ongoing dialogue yeah. between the publisher and other people, and then, yeah, uh, you know, you kind of decide what would a title be that would encompass this whole thing. Is the song strong enough? It's a process. Yeah. Um, okay. I see. Would you say? Would yeah. you say? Um, so, would you classify this album as a liturgical album? 
yeah. that's for use in liturgy. So, because I'm thinking of it, you know, it's not like you're welcome here um, that we yep. just heard before the interview. That's a, I mean, it's, it's like a perfect opening <laughs> opening in. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad you played that song, Deacon, because I, I have to tell you, of all the songs I've ever written, yeah. uh, that's been the most controversial song, really, uh, to date. Uh, which, which I find surprising. I've received the most feedback about that song, yeah. mostly unsolicited, by the way. Um, by people who think that not everybody should be welcome. Well, it, it's amazing about when you when you start talking about who's welcome and who's not. Right. Uh, everybody has huh. an opinion on that. Of course. And maybe not everybody. That might be a little general, but a lot of people do. And huh. I, I heard a lot of comments in that regard, but uh, the one that really struck me. Uh, was what the, somebody said, and I, w- I won't call them out or anything like that, but uh, somebody mentioned, uh, well, you're welcome to come to church, uh, but you can't stay that way. Right. And I, I wrestled with that uh, so much, and I, at the end of the day, I, I would say back uh, to whoever, whoever has that mindset, uh, I understand that. I understand the sentiment because the God is about renewal and growth and yes. healing and transformation. Yes. That's what should happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the key word there is that's what God is about. Mm-hmm. So it's not my job to to worry about that. Yeah. I, I don't I can't worry about how you stay or don't stay. Yeah. It's my job to welcome you. And uh so and I recognize as well that as Catholics we believe certain things and when you receive the body and blood of Jesus, you're making a proclamation. Um, about the faith, yeah, and I understand those parameters as well. Uh, so there was a lot of uh, input about that reality huh. also. Uh, but as I see the gospel and I see how Christ interacted with people, um, I see that it was an open, uh, welcoming. Aspect. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think we, in some ways, have too many barriers. Yeah, I really do. Absolutely. Well, if it makes a difference, I like the song. <laughs> um, well, for people, so I, I saw on your website that uh, there's a lot of sheet music available, and I guess there's sheet music available through Oregon Catholic Press. So if people want to use the music in liturgy, it's easy enough for them to, to get the the sheet music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's all there at, at uh, OCP. That's, that's all stuff they handle. Okay, so that's all good. So we're going to leave it there because we're almost out of time, but it's been great okay. meeting you. I, I hope... Now that yeah. we've we've made contact, that we have lots of opportunities to bring you back. So I hope that you're working on more music, um, and because uh, it's it's good, it's good stuff. I know you've been at it for a long, long time. Um, so I hope that you will continue. And thank you for sharing a little bit of what you do with us today. Thank you. God bless you. You can learn all about Chris Muglia, his ministry. You can learn how you can bring him to your parish. You can purchase his music at his website, chrismuglia.com. And just be sure that Muglia is spelled M-U-G-L-I-A, Muglia, the, the Italian, but he pronounces it Chris Muglia. And it's chrismuglia.com. We're going to put that uh, link on our site also so you can find it easily. Um, God So Loved the World, the new album, is published by Oregon Catholic Press. Here now is Chris Muglia with the title track of his new album, God So Loved the World. We are the church, the body of Christ. God so loved the world. Eternal life, God so loved. 
Listening to Chris Mulia with God So Loved the World from the album of the same name, and that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can always reach us via email at radio at saltandlighttv.org. You can also find Salt and Light on Facebook and Twitter at Salt and Light TV, and I am Bad B. Joe Chan. I'm at Deacon Pedro GM. There's also this really cool voicemail app off our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. It's really easy to use. If you want to send us a comment, nobody ever uses it, but we want you to, so that we're going to keep reminding you until until you use it because it's there. <laughs> Remember that you can also subscribe to the free Southern Night Hour podcast of iTunes and on Google Play. And you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where we post links to our artists and guests, so please go and support what they do. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro. And I'm Billy Chan. And this has been The, the Salt and Light, Light Hour. Hour.